I want to start off this morning with a, what I consider a rather alarming statement that I found out about this week. Uh, today in the country of England, Sunday morning, there will be fewer people gathering to worship in churches than there were gathered to meet in mosque on Friday. Now that, that's a crazy change of a country that's been predominantly Christian. You say, well, buddy, how, how do you know that? Well, my wife and I, Stephanie, were just blessed to go on a, a two-week tri- trip to England. I'm a part of a Christian university board out of Nashville called Lipscomb University. Uh, don't get too impressed. I'm the token preacher, okay? They just need, not for money, they just need a preacher. But um, we, we had an incredible time. Got to hear some incredible Christian scholars from Oxford University. Got to visit great places. But I got sadder and sadder because in every village, in every town you go, there are these elaborate, crazy, wonderful, beautiful church buildings. But when you find out what's going on, there's nobody hardly me. There might be 10 or 15 people, it may be a museum, it might be a library. And you go, how in the world did they lose their way to that point? Now here's my reaction to that. My reaction, first of all, is I was so excited about getting back to Landmark. Because I know this is not a perfect place, but this is an alive place. And just as we were traveling those churches and hearing how things were going to think, man, back here, man, we are working with Halcyon Elementary School. We're meeting to pray. Small groups are popping up all around our community. I'm thinking, man, I love being a part of a live church. But I must also say one of my reactions was concern. If that could happen in England, could it not happen in America? And if we'd be really frank with each other this morning, it's already happening in America where churches are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. So the conviction I leave with is what do we do to make sure we don't lose our way? And so in an old coaching term or teaching term this morning, what I want to do is go back to what I call just going back to the basics. Many of you are teachers and you're welcoming your students and you know to to be able to make progress, you need to emphasize those basics. You have so many athletes and coaches here today, you know as a coach, you got to get back to the basics. I actually asked a bunch of coaches to to tell me what did that mean. Pritchard Nadaria, who coaches the women's soccer team at Faulkner said, it means keeping things simple. A lot of times we try to overcomplicate situations so much that we lose sight of what's important. Well, that's a great statement. Coach Summer said, it's to simplify. We tried to do too much, and we ended up not doing anything well. We go back to the basics. Coach Tim Perry, it's especially needed in a team that's experienced great success and then experiences failure. You have to go back to what got you there. Coach Don Gillum said, it's the foundation. Uh, Faulkner football coach Rob Gray said, in our team, on offense, it's blocking and ball security. On defense, it's being great tacklers. I love what he said. If we get those things down pat, no matter how difficult things get, we are going to be okay as a team. And this morning, what I want to talk about is what are the basics for us as Christian people? What are the basics for us as a church that we must never overcomplicate things? We must never forget what the basis and foundation of everything we do. Now, here's the great news. Jesus is going to tell us. 
Because, guys, uh, let me just talk about two issues we all face. Any organization, especially a church, first of all, is we face a lack of clarity. You know, sometimes you come into a church or you go into an organization, you really don't know what they're about. They're doing a thousand things and it doesn't all tie together. I always remember when John Noel Thompson came here, he was a vice president at Faulkner, and after a few months when they became a member, he said, when I walked into Landmark Church, I knew crystal clear absolutely what this church was about. I hope you'll know the same thing by the time I finish today. There's also this challenge of mission drift. You know, so many organizations, you start on a certain mission. You, you don't intentionally drift away from it. That's why you call it drift. It's just a slow but sure forgetting the basics, and you drift. And all of a sudden, you forgot what you're about. We got to visit the first university in the world, Oxford University. It's a crazy place, beautiful place. Every school there has a chapel. And yet, to be a Christian in that place is to be reviled. In the 1400s, their coat of arms says, in Latin, the Lord is my light. But it's drifted. We know in our own country, Harvard University started out as a school to help train ministers. In 1636, their motto was to know God and to make Jesus known. And yet at Harvard University, it's hard to find more than a small group of Christians what happens? It slowly but surely drifts in a church that can start off with such excitement and on such a mission, everybody united and going for it. It doesn't take long for that to drift. So this morning, my friends, let's go back and let Jesus make some things clear for us. Amen? Because I'm, that's one thing people loved about Jesus. You know, when Jesus was teaching, all the folks said, we have never heard anybody teach this way. One of the major reasons is was Jesus could take what seemed to be complex and he could make it simple. No more so than in Matthew chapter 22. They're trying to trip Jesus up. Uh, the Sadducees tried a question and Jesus knocked it out of the park. And, and their enemies now, the Pharisees, think maybe they can trip Jesus up. So look in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. I love Jesus. I mean, you, you don't try to trip Jesus up. He's too quick. The Pharisees got together. They meet about this thing. They think we're coming up with a question he's not going to hit. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? What are you going to say, Jesus? We might think, okay, he's going to say the Ten Commandments. That would be pretty good. The Pharisees think, is he going to agree with us? You know how many commandments the Pharisees had turned to? 613. Say that with me. 613. You're talking about confusing and complex? And now our Lord says, you guys got it all wrong. Listen to what I'm going to say. Verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Number uno, number one. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. In other words, everything God has said, everything he wants out of us can be boiled down to loving him and loving people. Let's simplify this thing. And again, remember the order. The order is you, first of all, you love God. 
God, you're never going to love people until you love God because in loving God, you begin to love the people that have been born in the image of God. When I receive love from God and I'm in this love relationship with God that involves my emotions, my intellect, and my will, when I love him with my heart, mind, soul, and strength, when I love him that way and he loves me, now I'm full enough to love other people. And so Jesus says, remember these two commands. I don't know about you, but growing up in church, sometimes it was just really complicated to me. And we had so many lists and so many rules, and I know they were all intentioned well. And there were often people trying to expand on what God said so you didn't break it. I understand that. But for many of us who aren't that complicated, it became very complex. And that's what I love when I go to Jesus. Jesus says, okay, buddy, don't get confused about these things. Don't make it too complex. Here's what I really want. More than anything, I want you to love God, and I want you to love people in his name. So that's the great commandment. Now, there's another place in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus also makes things really clear. So as God's people, what are we to be about? Go with me to Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is 10 days after his resurrection. Very soon, he's going to ascend to heaven, and he wants to give what we call the Great Commission. In other words, guys, before I get out of this place, I I would like to make it extremely clear what I expect out of you guys. Look at it. Look in verse 16, Matthew chapter 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Look at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, guys, I'm God. I've proved it through my resurrection. I'm God. I'm boss. I've got the authority. You need to listen to what I'm about to say. And then he gives them the marching orders. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely love this promise. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What does Jesus clarify? What are we to be about? Now, if you read this passage in the original language, you'll find out there's really one thing Jesus is trying to say. The one thing he's calling us is to make disciples, okay? What is a disciple? A disciple is a a learner, you know? When we were in England, it was so cool going around the country. I I hate to tell you, but the the temperature is like 60 or 70 all the time. Make you feel good? All right. But what was so cool is if you were learning how to drive, like we would say you have a learner's permit, you know what they'd put on your car? A big red L on the windshield. So everybody knows, here's a fool driving this car. Be very, very careful, all right? Had a big L. And guys, here's what Jesus is saying to us. Every one of us needs a big L on ourselves. What does it say? I am a learner. That's all a disciple is. A disciple is a learner, an imitator, someone who's wanting to be like their teacher. And Jesus says, when it boils down to what you guys are supposed to be doing, you're to make disciples, now, he, he gives us some specific actions. First of all, we're to go. And, and don't take that as he's saying, you got to go to Africa, you got to go to China, you got to go to England. No, no. The, the word literally means there, as you go. While you're going through life, you teach people about Jesus. And when they come to that point where they want to be a disciple, 
They do exactly what these young men did back there. They were baptized. That's what's so cool. They were baptized on the spot. Because baptism was that moment that says, I am all in. I'm going to meet Jesus as death, burial, and resurrection. I'm not putting my faith in me or even anybody else. I'm putting my faith in what Jesus did. There may be some of you today, just like these young men, who are thinking, I'd just like to see a girl baptized, wouldn't you? I mean, just, just like these young men, they're thinking about being baptized. You think, okay, buddy, I have people say this all the time. I really want to get baptized, but my life's not straight. Or, man, buddy, I, I just don't understand everything. Neither do I. Please understand this. Baptism is not an ending moment. It's a beginning moment. The reason you need to get baptized is because you don't have your life together, right? Amen? Do you have to understand? No. You've just got to be able to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so he says, as we make disciples, everywhere we go, we're looking for people who need Jesus. We're teaching them. When they get to that point where they want to follow Jesus, they're baptized. After they're baptized, what do you do? That's when the teaching continues. You keep on teaching. And here's the promise. So cool. And if you'll do these things, you will be close to God, be a part of this. I will be with you always to the very end of the world. And so Jesus says, let me clarify what you need to be about. This is what's so cool about the church. The church is the only organization in the world that exists for people outside of it. Now, we don't always get that. There was a survey done of church people across America not too long ago, and they were asked, what do you think is the purpose of the church? And here is their number one answer. To provide services for my family to take care of my family. Guys, I hope our church does that. But let me tell you, what your family needs, what your children need, what you need, what I need is to be a part of something bigger than us. What you need to teach your children is this is not about how they're treated or you're treated. This is about what we do on this mission in the world. Amen? So we make disciples. I love that. Those are the marching orders. We're not here just to meet each other's needs. So how do we stay clear about this? We try at Landmark to stay very clear about this because we know we can drift. And so we've come up years ago with a mission statement and a vision statement. And I want to talk about those just for a moment with you. Our mission is simply to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Say that out loud with me. To lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, let's go backwards on that thing. Let's, let's start off with the word Jesus. Guys, it's all about Jesus. Let me make, give you a warning. I would not want to be a part of a church that talks about anything more than it talks about Jesus. I, I mean, today, I'm making it very clear. I'm very proud to be a part of this church, and I love this church. But if this boy ever starts talking about Landmark more than Jesus, we're in trouble. Even if you talked about anything in the Bible, even the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I'm not here to point to myself. I'm here to point to Jesus. And so Jesus needs to be what we're known for. When this church began to to move from what I would call a more issue-oriented church where you're arguing about all the different things in Scripture to a Jesus-oriented church, and I still miss it, we put some big signs around this worship center. This sign said, know him. This sign said, 
follow him, and you walked out, the sign said, share him. Because we needed to know right off the bat that what it's all about is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what it's about. Never forget a family coming here. And, you know, we, if you're with us today, I don't think you'll be surprised. Uh, we're, we're, we're sort of a non-traditional church of Christ. And we were making sort of, just sort of. I mean, we were just, just trying to make, it, make a few changes. And we had this couple come to our church from a, another church that was actually doing some of the same things we were doing. And they, they became a part of our life group. I'll never forget, after a couple months, they stayed around afterwards and said, can we talk to you and Steph? They said, you know, we really love coming to Landmark, and we've been a part of churches doing some of the same things that you guys are doing. But what we really love about Landmark is you don't talk about those things. You talk about Jesus. I'll take that any day. So the focus starts with Jesus. We got to uh, hear a lecture at Oxford University from the biographer of C.S. Lewis. I don't know if any of you know a lot of, I'm sure most of you know a little bit about C.S. Lewis. Wrote Mere Christianity. Wrote a lot of things that influenced people. C.S. Lewis grew up as an atheist. Now, he grew up in the Church of England, then became an atheist. And then slowly, as he taught at Oxford, he began to believe there was a God. And then he tells about the moment, now here's the quotation, when I pass from belief in God to belief in Jesus. That was the turning point of his life. Because listen to me, friends, we don't need to overcomplicate this thing where church begins to be about rules and religion and ritual. Oh, those things can be a part of it. But what it primarily is, it's about you and I having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus made this so plain when people didn't get this right. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament. Luke chapter 10, Jesus is going to, to hang out with some of his friends. There are these two sisters called Mary and Martha. And Jesus comes in the house. Can you imagine Jesus coming to your house? And they want to serve Jesus a meal. And so Martha is back in the kitchen getting everything right. Man, you got Jesus coming, you know? And so she's getting the meal ready, and she's wanting to serve it. And lo and behold, she looks in the den, and there's her sister Mary just shooting the breeze with Jesus. You think Martha's ticked off? I love the Bible. She's ticked off. She's even ticked off at guess who? Jesus. How in the world is Jesus letting this happen? And so Martha walks into the den and says, Jesus, you're letting, would you tell Mary to help me? I mean, I'm trying to get this all right, and y'all just in here talking. And I, I love Jesus' response. He says, Martha, Martha. Now, you know you're in trouble anytime the Lord says your name twice, okay? Watch out for that. Martha, Martha, Jesus says, you are worried, literally uptight. You are uptight about so many things. And then he says, only one thing matters. What is it? It's what Mary has chosen, and it will not be taken away from her. It's eternal. Watch the one thing that's going to matter when you leave this earth is do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the one thing that can count through eternity. It's going to be Jesus. It's not how much money you make. It's not how successful you are. It's not the size of your house. It's not how many chapters in the Bible you read. It's not even how many times you went to church. It is Jesus. It's having a relationship with him. 
And Jesus says, Martha, stop being so uptight. How many of us are Martha in this story, man? You come to church today and you are so uptight and worried about so many things. I can get there really easy. I want to remind you before you walk out of here today, get your focus back on the one thing that really matters, which is Jesus Christ. So we work really hard for this to be a church that we fulfill that mission. The last thing we say, we want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Because here's the truth. Some of you are probably just checking this out. You're not even sure about Jesus. Thank you that you're here. Some of you are checking church out. Maybe you had a bad church experience or no church experience. Some of you, many of you in here are young Christians. You just surrendered your life to Jesus. Some of you have been a part of this church for decades or you've been part of Christianity. Here's the point of our mission statement. Everybody has a next step. Until we meet Jesus face-to-face and become just like him, we are always to be in a growing relationship with him. I ask you this morning, what's your next step? Now, that's the mission statement. The vision statement of this church, the vision statement is how do we fulfill that mission? And I love this. Read this one out loud with me. To be a community Man, thank you. That's sweet. How do we fulfill the mission? We are the body of Christ. We used to have a big banner across here back when banners were popular. And it said, experience Jesus. And that's what we wanted to invite people. When you come in this church, we don't want you to experience Buddy. We don't want you to experience Landmark. We want you to experience the very presence of Jesus through the body of Christ, his church. So what does the church do? The church better do whatever Jesus would do. Everything we do needs to be run through this filter. Is it leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus? Is it accepting people where they are in the community where they love? How do we do with people experiencing life struggles? Let me ask you a question real quick. How many of you got a struggle going on in your life right now? Raise your hand. Some of you are lying, lying, lying. I mean, every one of us, guys, has a struggle. And guys, listen closely to what I'm about to say. When Jesus walked this earth, the people he could not help were the people who didn't raise their hand, excuse me, or the people who don't admit that they have a struggle. I mean, you got to look at this passage with me. Look over in Luke chapter 5 real quick, where Jesus is dealing with some uptight religious people. I mean, these are the Pharisees. I mean, they know the Bible better than anybody else. And man, they're keeping, they're trying to keep those 613 rules. And they're pretty perturbed at Jesus, because guess what? Jesus didn't choose to hang out with them. And they think, Jesus, if you're really spiritual, you wouldn't be hanging out with all these prostitutes and sinners. You'd be hanging out with us. And they ask him, verse 30, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners like they weren't? I love Jesus' answer. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come to call the, not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What's he saying? Is he saying these Pharisees don't need him? No. He's saying they don't know they need him. They think they have it together. Guys, the people Jesus could not help because their hearts were hard were the religious people who thought they had it all together. The people Jesus could help were the people who go, you know what, Jesus, I'm sick. I'm, I'm messed up right now. I need you. And that's why as a church, we always want to be focused on the very people that Jesus was able to help. 
People who have problems like you and me. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a time when church was so fake, and we'd all come to church and act like we were okay. If someone says, how are you doing? We'd say, fine. How are you doing? Fine. We're all fine, fine, fine. We didn't even listen to what they said. If I walked up to you, you know, I said, how are you doing? You said, I've got cancer. I'd say, that's great. I mean, we just, we, just, we, we just weren't even paying attention to what they were saying because we were all supposed to look fine. Everybody dressed nice. That's why I love it, this church. You see everybody from shirts and blue jeans and T-shirts to suits. I can't find anybody in a suit and tie, sorry. I mean, you, you see people always because we want you to come in this church and not dress like you got it all together or just even act like you all got it all together. We want you to come to this church and say, it's okay. The people Jesus can help are the people who come and go, you know what? I need help. And let me tell you two ways we do that in this church. One way is, and you might be, not, might be familiar with this, is what we, we call the front row. In just a few minutes, we're going to sing a song. And if you've got something going on in your, your life that you need the prayers of God's people, then you just come up to this front row, you write on a little card, and we'll pray about you. And I'm telling you, miraculous things have happened on this front row. I remember the first time something crazy happened. It was 25 years ago. There was a young man who walked forward. It was the first time in this church where someone had said, I am addicted to pornography. Would you pray for me? I remember like it was yesterday. And I I did something I'd never done before. I, I give God all the credit. But I got back up and I said, our brother has confessed his addiction to pornography. I would like to invite, are there any men in this church who you've been addicted to pornography, but by the grace of God you've overcome it? Would you stand up right now and come surround him? I thought, buddy, you finally walked over the edge. They're just going to look at you. And it was quiet. And then I'll never forget that moment where seven men around this worship center stood up and came and surrounded that man. One of them was an elder in this church. And we've done that about pornography, and we've done that about alcohol, we've done that about cocaine, we've done that about marriages that were struggling, we've done that about people having problems with their children, we've done that about infertility, we've done that for lots of depression, anxiety, you name it. And here's what I want you to know. We, 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 what we don't want to be is that fake church. And, and if, if you come here and you've got an issue, don't cover it up. Because that's what the church is about. The church is to help each other. So we do that by just giving that opportunity in just a few minutes for you to say, I need some help. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. I'll never forget. Um, A few years ago, we were having friend day. And this little first grade kid in our church invited another first grader to their school. And the first grader went home and said, Mom, I really want to go to to, to friend day at Landmark this coming Sunday. And so um, she came. She'd not been to church in 20 years. And she sat back where some of you were sitting, and um, it was one of those really open landmark days where people were confessing, you know, sexual sins and addiction sins, and it was just wild, beautifully wild. And I did what I try to do. I try to call guests as soon as I can, and so that Sunday afternoon, I called that lady. I said, uh, I'll just make up a name, Marion. It was really great to have you at Landmark today. I mean, how was your experience? And she said, I'll be honest with you, buddy. I really didn't want to come. I've not been to church in 20 years, and it's only because my little first grader said, we got to go. I went, and then I got there. 
And people started saying these things out loud. <laughs> and I thought the roof would collapse. And then I thought people are going to be snickering that anybody would say that in church. And I looked around the room, and all I saw were tears. And afterwards, everybody embraced them. And then I said to myself, I think I could make it in this church. Because that's the kind of church that we want to be. A church that points to Jesus and his grace and his love. And this morning, I remind you of who we are. We are a church to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We are a church to be a community of love for people experiencing life struggles. I love what Coach Gray said when I asked him about it. He, he mentioned the, five, the four parts of their back to the basics as a, as a team. Discipline, togetherness, effort, and love. And I want you to listen to Coach Gray's definition of love. Love, this is for a football team, guys, is how we play. It's how we celebrate. Are we excited for each other in the moment of success? Are we there for each other in the moment of failure? Wow, that's powerful. Y'all trying to tell me to stop? <laughs> Thanks, just hold on because I'm not. Okay, let's. Um, <laughs> um, man, wouldn't that be cool? That's the kind of church we're going to be. We're going to celebrate your successes and we're going to be there for each other's failures. And I love it when we catch this. We've had some interns here at Landmark this summer. Um, and, and for the first time, we had three of them, college students, and they all grew up in this church. And one of the last days we were, we were together, we had a breakfast, and everybody was sort of sharing what this church meant to them. And J.T. Moore, J.T. Moore spoke up, and he said, I just tell you, it's been a privilege growing up in the Landmark Church. I've seen people grow in their relationship with Jesus, and this has been a community I grew up in that shows the love of Jesus to people experiencing life struggles. I'm like, yes. I slipped him a 20 right on the spot. <laughs> I mean, somebody's been, this kid has grown up in a church and they know exactly what it's about. And whether you've been here a long, long time or you're here for the first time today, what I want to say is this is us. And for the next few weeks that we're gonna talk, this is who we are. This is who God has called us to be. I don't have time for the last five points of the message, so don't get scared about that. But what I want to call you today is to go, this can be not just us, but here's the challenge. Is it you? I mean, you know, a, a church is not a building. A, a church is made up of individuals. Peter told us in a few weeks ago, we're living stones. And so the question is not just who is Landmark. The question is, who am I? Can I ask a few simple questions? Just simplify it a little bit. Are you growing in a relationship with Jesus? Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Are you loving your neighbor like yourself? Are you on a mission to, to make disciples? Because when we become strong, is when each of us as individuals become strong, when we see who we are and we begin as individuals to go, you know what? That's who I want to be. I want to refer back to one passage we looked at a moment ago. In Matthew 28, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, which stands out to me because I get sort of messed up sometimes. Did you notice 
the first verse, it says they were worshiping Jesus, but some doubted. That's crazy to me. So I'm not asking you today, are you perfect? Because you might say, man, I'm, I'm just too, no, no, no. No one's beyond the grace of God. And you might say, well, well, I'm inadequate. I mean, I can't do this, man. I've tried before and I failed. Do you hear what Jesus said at the end of that passage? I will be with you always. Guys, none of us do this on our own power. And so this morning, as we sing in just a moment, if you are ready to follow Jesus, and you don't understand everything about this thing, but you know he's the Son of God, and you're ready to be baptized, do what these guys have done. Be baptized right now on this spot, like they did in the New Testament. If today, you know, you're just sort of checking out a church, and you're, man, I invite you to come next week to Landmark 101 and find out exactly who we are. If you've been a part of this church, but... You personally, right now, it's not about, you have drifted. You, you, the significant things are not the significant things. Life, I mean, I'll tell you what happens to me. Life gets too complex. And you this morning need to hear, it's just this simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And you want us to pray today that you can do that. Or maybe you just come and life struggles a mild word for what you're going through. You're depressed, you're struggling, and you need the prayers of God's people. That's a broad invitation. And if you need us to pray for you before you walk out of here, come right now while we stand and sing.